Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Good Music Podcast. My name is Lucas, and I am just so excited to be uh, recording this third episode. Um, And the reason I'm so excited is because over the last week or so after uploading the second episode, I looked at how many listens that I've gotten, and I was completely blown away. So just to give you a little bit of history, um, the first episode that I put out on Queen only has about seven listens, and I, I expected that. I didn't imagine that, you know, right out of the gate I would be having a ton of people listening to my podcast. That's That was about what I expected. And so when I put out the second episode, I was thinking maybe best case scenario, I would get like double that, maybe get up to like 13 or 14. And I definitely doubled that. In fact, I more than doubled that. I got up to 47 listeners on my Metallica episode. And that just blew my mind. So grateful for that. For everyone that listened to that last episode, thank you so much. Uh, this is already above and beyond what, where I thought it would be after only two episodes. So thank you for listening. Thank you for somehow finding it. I know that I had posted on Facebook a link to listen to it, but what really shocked me was when I got to see where my listeners were. And yes, there were several listeners in the United States, but I also had listeners from Brazil, from Mexico, from the United Kingdom, from the Philippines, Ireland, France, Argentina, Portugal, Norway, Nepal. Like, I don't know how you guys found my podcast, but I'm really, really glad that you did. And I'm hoping that you are tuning in for this episode and for future episodes. And let me tell you what, seeing the response to this second episode has really given me a lot of confidence to keep this going and to make this even better as I go. Um, I've been experimenting a lot more with this program and on podcast structure, and I just feel like going forward, I'm going to be able to provide a lot more quality content for you guys. Um, I've been okay as far as how happy I've been with how the first two episodes have gone, I know that they can be a lot better. So uh, for those of you that have put up with kind of my off of the seat of my pants ramblings, uh, thank you. I've actually am starting to structure this a little more to where I kind of know where I'm going to go conversation wise, but I'm just hoping to continue to make this better to come up with new ideas and just continue to listen in. So I'm up to, between the two episodes, I'm up to 54 total listens. Again, that's just so much more than where I thought it would be at this point. So again, thank you so much. If you're enjoying this, please tell other people. Um, and if you haven't already, go ahead and figure out how to subscribe. Um, this podcast is meant to be listened to with a Spotify playlist that I have. And I know that not all of you have Spotify. If you don't have Spotify, that's okay. There are other ways to uh, listen. If you've got Apple Music, if you've got YouTube, if you've got um, Amazon, eventually I'm going to try and experiment with different uh, platforms to put the songs on. But if if this is your first time listening to this episode, if you're tuning in, Episode three, this is your first listen. The way that this podcast works is that I pick an artist every week. I pick six songs that kind of, in my opinion, uh, illustrate that artist well. And I also pick a bonus song that goes with it from a different artist. But I structure the songs to where they have a uh, an emotional flow from start to finish. And so um, the best way to listen to this podcast is to also listen to the songs afterward. My Spotify playlist is just an easy place where I've already put the songs together for you in the correct order. Uh, The way that you can find that is if you search on Spotify, Lucas Chrisman, that's one word, L-U-C-A-S-C-H-R-I-S-M-A-N. If you give me a follow, and then if you go to my playlist, find the Good Music Podcast Edition. There's a different playlist called Good Music. That's a completely separate thing. You want to find the one that says Good Music Podcast Edition. Follow that playlist. It'll let you know whenever I get the new songs up there. 
So that's going to be the best way for you to experience this podcast. So um, my hope throughout this is that you're going to um, learn about maybe some of your favorite artists as well as um, perhaps learn something you never knew before, maybe discover a new artist, uh, gain a fresh perspective on an artist maybe that you didn't like too much previously, and hopefully get something new and enriching from that experience. Um, Also, for those of you that uh, may be tuning in or wanting to recommend the platforms that this uh, podcast is available on is on Anchor, on Google Podcasts, on Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and some – I saw on the my analytics that people are being able to find it on uh, Apple Podcasts. I tried to search for it on my own. I couldn't find it. I don't know how people are finding it, but somehow people are finding it in different areas as well. And so um, just whatever of those methods works best for you. Um, I am all for it. So, um, yeah. And also if you, if this is your first episode, go check out my previous two episodes. My first one is on queen. Second one's on Metallica. And, uh, this week we are looking at another band that is near and dear to my heart. And that band is Coldplay. Coldplay formed in 1996 and has had the same four members throughout their entire run. And they're st- obviously still active today, although they are on hiatus. Those members are Chris Martin, who is the keyboardist and the lead vocalist, although he does uh, play some acoustic guitar in some instances as well. We've got Johnny Buckland, who is the lead guitarist. We've got Guy Berryman on bass and Will Champion on the drums. Coldplay could be described as um, it's it's kind of hard to describe their genre because they've they've really changed a lot over the years and have kind of delved into different um, subgenres, but they do have a feel that is very consistent all the way through, which is a very um, very soft, very melancholy, but at the same time uplifting sound. You could put them as pop rock, as alternative rock, as uh, post-Brit pop, or just a straight-up pop group, and um, it is, it's kind of hard to determine exactly where they fit in, but you kind, you know when you hear a Coldplay song. Not only is Chris Martin's voice very identifiable, but just their strong song structures, the way they compose their melodies, it's very consistent all the way through their career, even if the sounds themselves are changing and the way that they're approaching songwriting changes. Um, You can pretty much know what to expect as far as uh, melodic structure from them. Uh, A little bit of their history, like I said, they formed in 1996. Um, they formed at Oxford University. They released two EPs throughout the uh, late 90s, uh, started to gain a little bit of underground attention. Uh, and then when their first full-length album, Parachutes, came out in 2000, that was their big breakthrough. And they, they were able to break through pretty quickly. Uh, a lot of bands are really lucky if they can uh, break through on their second or even their third album. But Coldplay was able to do it right up in the front with the first record, and it's mainly because of a song called Yellow. Yellow just was a runaway hit, made it to the UK top five, um, and just really catapulted them right out of the gate into that um, headlining status. And pretty much it's just been a rise up ever since then. They really haven't had a dip down. They've just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger throughout the years. Um, Rush of Blood to the Head was their sophomore album. came out in 2002. It is my personal favorite Coldplay album. I have a lot of fond memories uh, listening to this album. Um, It was the first album of theirs that I'd ever heard. And it was, even though Yellow was a big hit, Rush of Blood to the Head is kind of when a lot of people really started getting into Coldplay. Clocks was a big time hit for them, as well as In My Place and The Scientist. It was just an overall just really popular record and just in my opinion it's their strongest one front to back. I love just about every song on that album and it just it takes me back to my middle school years. Um uh, just listening to that album and just I remember feeling the emotions of that time and um ma'am just I love 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 this record. They got two Grammys out of that 
album. They got a Grammy for the song In My Place, as well as um, a uh, Grammy for the album overall. And they really started to just be able to go on these big world tours, headlining festivals and stadiums. And then um, their third album, X and Y, came out in 2005. And when you look at the history of Coldplay, this is kind of where you start to see the the quote-unquote haters coming out and starting to talk about how annoying Coldplay is and how um, just that they're – I'm trying to think of the way that I can describe this, but they – I can't really understand a lot that the hate Coldplay has gotten, although I myself am not a fan of their more recent albums. Why people started to hate on them during this time in the mid-2000s is a little... um, It's a little confusing to me. But this this is kind of when people started to say that they're annoying, that they're cliched, that they're, they're too cheesy... And, I mean, I just don't get it personally. I'm not going to tell people that their opinions are wrong. If you don't like Coldplay, you don't like Coldplay. I know a lot of people that do not like Coldplay. And people being confused when they hear that I like Coldplay because they a lot of times know me as a rock and roll heavy metal guy. And whenever they hear that I like Coldplay, they're like, huh, that doesn't make sense. But just I do. I really do. I just think that their songwriting is great. The melodies just really hook you. And I am not afraid and won't apologize to say that I'm a big Coldplay fan. But X and Y was the album that that really started to become a thing, where you had the people that liked Coldplay, and then you had the people that hated Coldplay. Uh, Their fourth album, Viva La Vida, came out in 2008. I started listening to Coldplay after X and Y had come out. I did say Rush of Blood... To the Head was the first album I listened to, but I didn't listen to it when it first came out. I kind of discovered them after those first three albums came out and really became familiar with them, listened to all three of those albums a lot. Um, And so Viva La Vida was my first experience of anticipating a new Coldplay album. I remember um, seeing them releasing the track listing and listening to a couple of the singles beforehand, specifically uh, Violet Hill. I remember hearing that song and not quite liking it because it just sounded really different for them. But when I listened to the whole album when it came out in 2008, that was uh, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. And I remember just falling in love with that album. I really love Viva La Vida. It's a really weird album it's almost progressive in a way there's a lot of longer songs and experimental jam sections and just really strange choices for instruments and arrangements while still keeping that that Coldplay spirit intact of just really great hooks and um that sense of colliding melancholy with bliss and I just, I really feel like Viva La Vida is just, it's it's a great album. I think it's objectively probably their best album, even though Rush of Blood of the Head just hits me a little more in the heart. If I had to completely take my emotion out of it, I'd say that Viva La Vida was their greatest achievement. There truly is not a bad song on there. Every song is fun. Every song is unique. Every song, and even Violet Hill, I now really, really love that song, even though my first reaction wasn't too kind. And the album just flows really, really well. Um, And then I actually saw Coldplay on the Viva La Vida tour. It was in Oklahoma City. And, man, that was a cool, cool concert. I hadn't really been to many concerts at that point in my life yet. And they they were the second concert that I'd ever been to, with the first one being Mute Math. Um, And so that was a really cool experience, getting to see Coldplay live on that tour and knowing every song that they played. And um, the one of the really cool things about that show was there was a part of the of the set where they left the main stage. My seat was pretty far back, so I didn't get like I wasn't like up front 
not, didn't really get to have a great view of them. But about halfway through the show, they got off the stage and started walking through the crowd. And I noticed that they were walking closer and closer to me. Uh, my dad and my sister were with me at this concert as well. And just we started freaking out going, oh my gosh, they're coming right for us. They're coming right for us. And I was about three seats from the aisle and they walked up the aisle that I was sitting at. And about four rows behind me, there was a miniature stage where they just had these little acoustic instruments like a mandolin and acoustic guitar and some bongos. And they did a couple of songs on that miniature set four rows behind me. And that like just was one of the coolest concert moments I've ever had. And I've, I've been to a fair number of concerts now, but I would say still that was a, that's a highlight moment for me to just have Coldplay do a little mini set four rows behind me. I remember taking a picture to kind of show how close I was to them. That was a, that was a really fun moment. And so, um, Viva La Vida was a huge album for them. It was their, um, they went to number one. They got a lot of promotion from iTunes. There was all those Viva La Vida commercials telling you to go pick up their album. And uh, then their fifth album came out in 2011. That is Milo Zelodo. And this album is kind of where I started to drift a little bit from what Coldplay was doing. However, the first half of Milo Zelodo is perfection i love 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 the first uh, from all the way from the opening track my the title track to every teardrop is a waterfall that actually if that was like condensed into an ep that might be my favorite run of coldplay songs probably of any album the the unfortunate thing is that i really dislike the second half of the album Milo Zelodo is when they really started to abandon the um, physical instrumentation and really started to embrace more of the modern pop uh, proclivities and started using a lot of more electronic instruments. Um, They had a song on there called Princess of China that featured Rihanna. I really, really did not like that song. It's, It's kind of just you could tell that they were not as much a operating as a band but it it felt a lot more like we were starting it was starting to become the chris martin solo project and and so miles Zelodo, i have mixed feelings about it i love the first half i really dislike the second half with i would say with the exception being one song up in flames i really like that song just because the melody is really nice um but man hurts like heaven paradise charlie brown us against the world Every Teardrops Waterfall, those are, in my opinion, all top-tier Coldplay songs. And I just really love the emotional flow of that first half. It All the songs fit nicely together. And, um, yeah, so Miles Zelodo, 2011. Obviously, still huge. Um, then, in between their fifth and sixth album... Chris Martin, if you did not know, was married to Gwyneth Paltrow for quite a long time. They had two kids together. We always uh, thought it was funny that their children's names were Apple and Moses. It just seemed like really strange. Moses is not super strange, but Apple, that just that kind of seems like a strange choice for a child's name. But during that time, uh, they divorced. They, uh, they called it an unconscious coupling, which I thought was always a really strange way of announcing that you're getting divorced. You can't just say we're splitting up. You have to make it artsy and say it's an unconscious coupling. I'm it's just, I don't know. That's really strange. But it, that really influenced what the next album sounded like, which was Ghost Stories, which was released in 2014. Um, I remember listening to this album for the first time and just, I don't know. It was just, it's a weird album. I think it's an album I maybe need to revisit. I haven't listened to it in a long time. There's really only one song that stuck with me on that album, and that's Magic. I love the bass line on that, and again, that's just kind of very classic Coldplay as far as the melody structure. Um, But the rest of the album, it might have just been because it wasn't what I expected. I maybe need to go back and give it a fair shot, but I just remember not liking Ghost Stories whenever... 
uh, I first listened to it. It's a very sad, very dark, very moody, atmospheric album. And just it was missing a lot of the brightness and the fun that I really loved of the previous Coldplay albums. I'm not against sad songs because obviously some of their best songs have been sad songs. Scientist, Fix You, um, Trouble. I, I do love that side of them, but it just it felt like there was too much of it. But again, maybe I need to go revisit it. I haven't listened to it in a long time. But uh, And then, strangely, nor- the normal thing for them is they usually took about two or three years in between albums. It only took them one year to come back with uh, their follow-up album, which was Head Full of Dreams. And I will say, I've actually never listened to Head Full of Dreams. I've heard a couple of songs off of it. I, um, it just the songs that I heard from it just I didn't like. Again, it was feeding into this whole. It feels like the band is gone, and it's just like electronic instruments supporting Chris Martin's vocal. It feels like it's just him by himself. I can't hear the influence that the drums have, or the guitar, or the bass. It just it all feels a bit too. Um, machine-like to me and so um but again i probably need to go revisit it um yeah i think i'll go revisit it at some point but anyway um head full of dreams was actually the first album of theirs in a long time i think since their uh debut to not debut at number one mainly because of adele's album 25 kept them at the number two spot because that album just ended up being a huge hit. Um, I know that for a fact because my wife loves Adele. We listen to Adele all the time. And uh, I am fully aware of the uh, mania behind that album. And I'm, it, it takes an album like that to keep Coldplay from debuting at number one. Um, but the world tour that they did for that album was huge. Uh, took them two years, giant tour, and at the end of it, the numbers came in, and it ended up being the third highest-grossing world tour of all time, which is just insane. Just from that tour alone, they topped the, they made it to like number three in the Forbes Entertainment list as as far as um, highest gross for the year, and that's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, and then since that tour is done, they've been on hiatus. There's been some rumors that maybe the band is done. Um, Chris Martin had said before that maybe he's not going to uh, uh, make any more, but that was never confirmed. We They're just kind of taking a well-deserved break right now after having the third best tour in, in music history. So uh, that's, in a nutshell, I know I kind of went into detail but um, that's pretty much Coldplay's tour in a nutshell. And uh, yeah, so what we're going to do next when we come back is I'm going to pick six songs. And we'll also have a bonus song. And we're going to delve into those. We're going to talk about the songs, get a little bit into their composition, the lyrics, and just kind of why I chose them and why I put them in the place it did. So we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, welcome back to the uh, second part of this episode. We are looking at Coldplay this week. And so last part, we talked about the history of the band, a little bit about their albums and their style and my personal feelings about them. And so now it's time to get to the songs If you've never uh, listened to an episode before, again, what we do is I pick six songs. I put them in an order to way that when you listen to the first song, by the time you get to the end, you feel like you've gone through this kind of emotional journey. I try and have the songs have good transitions between each other. So uh, if your favorite song did not make it on here, don't worry. 
at some point I'll probably return to Coldplay, get some more songs in there. They have so many great songs. And, uh, you know, to emphasize, I don't just pick what I think are their best songs or even what my favorite songs are. Although that well does sometimes have a little bit of influence to it. Um, if I there's a song I really love, I try and figure out a way to make it work. Um, but just don't be surprised or offended if your favorite Coldplay song did not make the list. It's not me saying these are the six best Coldplay songs, and if yours isn't on there, then you're wrong. That's not true. In fact, um, anywhere that you're listening to the podcast, you can. Uh, leave a comment and say, you know, maybe what songs you would like to see appear on a volume two of Coldplay. Um, and let me know if some of your songs did make it onto the list, uh, what your favorite song is. And so without further ado, let's get into the songs. So song number one is kind of a little bit of a cheat because it's technically two songs, even though they the first song is more of like a um, instrumental intro. Um, I wanted to start with Milo Zyloto and Hurts Like Heaven as the first uh, song of this set. Whenever I first listened to Milo Zyloto, um, when it came out in 2011, I was at my freshman year at ORU, and I was in the dorm room, and... I saw that the album came out, and I put it on. And the Milo Zyloto Hurts Like Heaven combo, it hit me on such a deep emotional level the first time I heard it. Let me preface by saying this. Whenever I hear a song for the first time, there's very few moments when a song affects me deeply on the first time that I hear it. Usually I have to hear it like three or four times and it grows on me and I kind of dissect it, digest it, and I start to go, oh man, I didn't notice this part here, this part there. And um, when I heard, though, Miles Aleto Hurts Like Heaven, I immediately stopped and listened to it again. I usually never do that. When I'm listening to an album, I like to try and hit the whole album all at once and then kind of go back to the moments that I really liked and uh, examine them more. I typically don't like to re-listen to songs on the first time through, but I had to do that with Miles Zyloto and Hurts Like Heaven. It just, it, it resonated with me so deeply in a way that few songs ever have on the first listen. And um, so I wanted this set song to start off the set um i'm hoping that maybe if if you've never heard this song before that maybe you'll have a similar experience whenever you listen to it um it's just man it starts you off on just such a great feeling on a great note um the song was written by the whole band um chris martin usually will write the lyrics but the the band collaborates and you're going to see that as a pattern on every song whenever i talk about who wrote it it's written by the whole band. They all contribute their own parts. They have their say in the arrangement and the direction and the feel of the song. Um, the thing that really stands out is just the melodies are just so great on this song. And specifically, this is a this song is a great showcase for um, Johnny. Oh, what's his name? Johnny Bucklin. Johnny Bucklin really shines in this song in a way that he doesn't shine in a lot of other Coldplay songs. He kind of gets to do some really cool guitar lines, almost in a way have some solos. Uh, Guitar solos are really not a thing in Coldplay, and he almost gets to have some some interludes that are almost solo-esque. And I remember just hearing it going, man, this is kind of experimental for them, but it just, it feels so good. Um... And it just it sets the tone for that album so well. I wish that the rest of the album lived up to what Hurts Like Heaven set up. But, I mean, man, it sure does work for the first half of the album. Uh, Chris Martin's vocals are so good on this song. And um, the way that the song ends is just so beautiful. It kind of does this really subtle fade out. And... Uh, Chris Martin sings these beautiful high notes at the end, and the song just kind of slowly fades out, and you think that it's just going to actually 
fully fade out, but when it gets almost to the point where you can't hear anymore, it does have a definitive end, which I think is a really cool option rather than just doing the full fade out. It's, it tricks you into thinking it's fading out, but it does have a concrete ending. Um, and so from there, I wanted to have the second song have a something that juxtapositions that that very tender fade out with something that just gets right in your face. And I probably wouldn't have thought of this transition had I not heard them do this live. Um, whenever they toured for the Milo Zyloto album, they released this uh, concert documentary kind of showing a little bit behind the scenes of the album in the tour as well as showing concert footage. And in the uh, concert, they start off with My Eyes, I Little Hurts Like Heaven. And they do that nice fade out. And then from there, the second song hits, and that's In My Place. And In My Place starts with this, just the drums by itself, just this banging, boom, spout, boom, ba, boom, ba. And it just, it, it's very much a an unsubtle intro to a song. And I just really loved the idea of going from a tender ending to something that just kind of punches you in the face, but in a good way. Um, so that's what gave me the idea to have In My Place be the second song in this set. Um, in My Place, I love this song. It is uh, the second song in Rush of Blood to the Head. And it's the second song in this set. It was written by the whole band. And it was actually the first song that was written for the album. But it was the last one to be added to the album. That probably doesn't make sense, so I'll explain it here. So In My Place was actually written during the same time that they wrote all the songs for their first album. It just, they didn't fully uh, flesh it out and just, it didn't, ended up not making the cut. But Chris Martin said afterwards that he felt a lot of pressure after the big uh, success of Parachutes that he needed to make a great follow-up. And he didn't know if he had it in him. And he said that uh, actually working on In My Place was what gave him the will and the confidence to move forward with the rest of the album. But... um, that song was finished way before they wrote all the other songs and was never intended to be part of the album until at the very end they um, ended up fully finishing it, putting it in the album, and ended up being one of the biggest hits on the album. It's funny how that happens. It's it's the story on a lot of albums. The song that gets added last minute is the big hit of the album. And so... Um, Man, that that guitar line, the ba da 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 da, such a great melody. Um, the song really just straddles that that line of the lyrics are pretty sad. It's you know talking about you know if you go and leave me here on my own, then I'll wait for you. Uh, just loving someone, them not loving you back, but you still not able to just move on from it. You're gonna wait for that person to love you back. And just kind of taking solace in your in your secret place. Um, just, again, kind of very melancholic, introspective lyrics. But then just the instrumentation, the melodies. So uplifting. So just, you hear it. Especially when that chorus hits. You just want to put your fist up in the air and sing along. It's just, it's a, it's a, just a well-written pop song. I'm a sucker for well-written pop songs. Uh, the song won a Grammy for Best Pop Duo or Group with Vocals. Um, was one of the songs that just catapulted... That and Clocks and The Scientist. Uh, just really, those three songs just took Rush of Blood to the Head up to the top level. And given Coldplay just that push that they needed to get to that that upper echelon of artists. And uh, the song ends on kind of a... Uh, on a really somber note. And sex it's something that Coldplay does a lot and I really like that. They'll have this really happy song or happy sounding song and then they'll do like this reprieve at the end where they make everything very minory, just very sad, very uh subdued, very somber. And a lot of times that just it always sets up the next song really well cuz 
very rarely do they come in uh, to their next song swinging. They do in In My Place, but that's kind of more of an exception. That's why it's a kind of a nice um, mix-up from what they normally do. And so In My Place ends with this somber place. And in this, in kind of a way that uh, Hurts Like Heaven does, but rather than try and go with something bombastic again, I wanted to kind of ride that somber feeling a little bit and go into a ballad. Kind of give a break from the... Um, from the the bigness and go to something that's a little more um, a little more quiet, a little more on the sadder side, which is um, a very important part of Coldplay's aesthetic is having this very sad side along with this pop bright side. So the third song that I wanted to do was the Scientist. Uh, this song is also from A Rush of Blood to the Head, and um, this is one of their most well-known songs. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Very simple, simple chord progression. Chris Martin discovered the chord progression for the song on accident while trying to learn uh, a George Harrison song from the All Things Shall Pass album. I can't remember off the top of my head what song it was, but he said that he was working on it and failing, but came across the chord progression for what would become the scientist and was just like, huh, I want to, I want to look into this a little more. So I worked on it, brought it to the band. Uh, they helped create the arrangement for it. And just one of the highlights of Russia blood to the head, uh, really memorable, uh, chorus. And the lyrics kind of, I remember younger, with my family having a debate on kind of what this um, song is about. I remember my dad saying that his idea was that it would take a scientist to figure out uh, what went wrong because the song is about, you know, a relationship that's gone wrong and uh, the singer trying to tell that person they're sorry and to come back. Let's, let's take it back to the start. And so, yeah, my dad was thinking that, uh, that it takes a scientist to figure out what went wrong. Uh, but I looked it up, and Chris Martin, and Chris Martin is actually an unreliable source for what songs is. So this is just a theory. I'm not saying that, you know, my dad's wrong and this is right. But the way Chris Martin explained it is that he said that with everything that's going on in the world, you know, war and politics and, you know, people dying from starvation and sickness and all the violence and persecution that even though all those things are so bad, the things that really hit us to our core are when we get our heart broken by someone that we like. And so just kind of trying to convey that emotion. I don't know what that has to do with a scientist per se, because science is really not mentioned that much at all in the lyrics. Um, but that's what Chris Martin has said. I'll, that could mean that, you know, the other interpretation is still correct. But, um, yeah, it's no matter how you look at it, I'm not always a fan of trying to figure out exactly what a song means. I like sometimes when a song is left to the interpretation of the listener. Uh, you leave it just vague enough that they can put their own meaning to it from their own experiences. Um I've always been a fan of songs that do that. There there are songs when they have very specific meanings, and when you figure out what that meaning is, it enriches what you're listening to. I do like those instances, but there's also some instances where there doesn't need to be a meaning. Sometimes the song can just be what it is, and it can be something that's just more personal to you. So, um, Scientist, it's great song, very restrained, uh, very subtle drums, not a lot of guitars or bass. It's mostly vocal and piano driven. Um, like I said, within my place, they like to have their somber ending. So there's a somber ending here. And for the fourth song, I didn't want to continue that somber feel. I felt like it was kind of a long enough sitting in that, um, that mode. So I wanted to bounce back to something happy. 
And I wanted to have that happiness conveyed immediately. And so for me, the perfect choice for the fourth song was Yellow. Yellow is probably their most recognizable song. If you were to ask someone to name a Coldplay song, there's a good chance that's one of the ones they're going to name. Yellow uh, is the reason why Coldplay is where they are. If Yellow was not on their first album, Parachutes, we probably wouldn't even be having this discussion. As great as they were, and as great as that album is, I don't think they would have gotten the the recognition they would have gotten had Yellow not been such a big hit out of the gate. Um, and it's really easy to see why this song got so big. It is a great song. Um, and there's a lot of conflicting stories on how this song was written. I was looking it up, and I had originally heard, because they... A long time ago, I'd watched this thing on TV where Coldplay was doing... It was called, like, Storytellers or something. And it was, they were pretty early into their career. I think X and Y had just come out whenever they had recorded this. It was kind of a, it was a live show. But in between each song, they would kind of talk about the song they were about to sing, a little bit about how it was written. And Chris Martin had said that when he was writing Yellow, uh, that he came up with most of the lyrics, but... There's the um, there's a space where he's saying, look at the stars, look how they shine for you and all the things that you do. And then originally he just didn't have anything there. And he felt that there needed to be another lyric there, but he didn't know what it would be. And that he said he just looked over and saw a Yellow Pages book and just kind of thought in my mind it was all yellow. And was just like, eh, well, it does for now. And kind of just meant for it to be a placeholder. But... As he was going on through the writing process, he couldn't find anything that was better, and so he just kept it. He said that yellow doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's just a lyric, a placeholder to, to uh, complete the melody, to give it a satisfying finish. Because otherwise, if you listen to that verse and you don't have that section there it does feel incomplete. It almost leaves you in suspense and then it doesn't resolve. And so, um, it was more important to him to have that melodic resolution than it was to, um, be able to have a lyric that makes sense or is really poetic. Um, a classic example of a Coldplay song that is, so bright and yet so sad at the same time. We look at the lyrics. It's someone that is trying to get the attention of someone that they love, kind of making these grand declarations and wondering if that person's even going to um, going to reciprocate. And just saying, you know, for you, I would bleed myself dry. What a what a statement of devotion and at the same time just kind of wondering does this person even feel the same for me but I feel that for them and yeah my favorite version of this song is uh the live version from their 2012 tour that album is available on streaming please look it up it's a great concert um compilation it's taken from a lot of different shows on that tour but that version of yellow it has this beautiful slowed down piano intro where he sings the first version chorus he sings it an octave lower the effect on the piano is just really washy and really reverby and man i gained a new love for that song when i heard the live version and then they just they after they do the the slow down version they just tear into a faster uh, up tempo part for the rest of the song and it's it's a great rendition of that song i would i would really highly recommend looking up that version it's 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 real good um and then in typical coldplay fashion the song ends it actually uh and I know this because I actually have looked up the chords for this to learn how to play it. Um, there aren't any minor chords in the verses, but 
whenever they do the last verse at the very end where it's just vocal and acoustic guitar, they actually change one of the major chords to a minor and kind of gives it this eerie ending, almost kind of like like he's been rejected and he's saying, look at the stars, look how they shine for you. And it's like he's saying that in regret going, you know, I see this potential in the relationship and it's not going to happen. And it kind of is just like this, ooh, kind of this this dagger to the heart moment, which Coldplay is just so good at creating moments like that. Um, even though the song ends pretty sadly, I wanted to keep the up-tempo momentum moving a little bit with something that's not as... Um, not as overtly up-tempo and happy, but something that's still got a little bit more of a pulse to it. I wanted to go with uh, the title track to their fourth album, Viva La Vida. Viva La Vida, um, like I said, title track on the fourth album, and was kind of the selling point for that album. There was a lot of uh, Apple commercials, iTunes commercials, showcasing this song. I remember seeing them and hearing the song for the first time and going, huh, this sounds really different. And it's because that the instrumentation for this song is really different from what you would hear in a normal Coldplay song. Instead of pianos and acoustic guitars and electric guitar, uh, drum set, it's actually a lot of stringed instruments and electronic keyboard uh, instead of a drum kit, it's a timpani and a church bell, and there's little to no guitar throughout the whole song. It's mostly propelled by the vocals and by the stringed instruments, and the bass is just more providing a pulse with the timpani. And it really creates for a unique experience. Um, and also the lyrics are a lot different than what you would hear from a normal Coldplay song. Instead of talking about love and romance and internal feelings. Instead, it actually takes on a, a more spiritual um, tone. There's a lot of talk about heaven and St. Peter. Uh, I hear the Jerusalem bells are ringing. Roman Catholic choirs are singing. Um, the story is about a king that uh, used to rule the world. And the people have risen up against him and cast him out. And now he's, uh, you know, living a shadow of what his life used to be. And Viva La Vida, that phrase is kind of meant to be a call to arms saying no matter kind of what circumstances come against you, you could be the king of the world one day and then be scum of the earth the next day. But you still need to live your life. And this person's wishing that he would have lived his life to the fullest when he had the chance. And now he feels that he's lost that chance, saying, for some reason I can't explain, I know St. Peter won't call my name. And so it's very, it's like, at the, it's, it's a pessimistic tone, but at the same time showing us this is not how you should live, but that, you know, learn from the example of this character that we're telling you about and live a life that's meaningful and that has purpose and that is full of happiness. Um, there's the interesting thing that kind of went on with this song. It was the biggest hit from that album, but um, they got in trouble with uh, a lawsuit that was filed by an artist named Joe Cetriani. If you've never heard of him, he is a uh, world-class guitar player, probably one of the greatest of all time as far as technical skill. And he's known for recording and releasing instrumental guitar albums. And he released an album in 2004 with a song called If I Could Fly. And if you listen to that song the main melody of that line is almost identical to the vocal line of the verse for Viva La Vida. And so Joe Satriani and his label sued Coldplay for plagiarism, saying that they ripped off his song, that they heard it, liked the melody, and thought, oh, we could get away with doing this. Coldplay denied it, said that it was coincidence. And uh, the the 
case was settled out of court. Uh, I'm on Coldplay's side on this. I think that it was a coincidence. I don't see them listening to a lot of Satriani, and I just I think that they are they're talented enough to write great songs without having to steal from other people. So I think that uh, I I believe them that it was just a coincidence, but. You should go listen to it for yourself. The song is called If I Could Fly. And it is pretty crazy how similar the two songs are. Um, The end of Viva La Vida has this big triumphant chorus. You've got this great melody of the oh, oh, going behind while Chris Martin's singing the chorus. The strings are coming really powerful. But then the choir of vocals at the end goes into this really almost creepy-sounding reprieve as it slowly fades out. Again, a somber ending to an upbeat song. Um, And But instead of more being somber, it's almost just like, it's kind of (laughs) creepy. It's kind of like you don't know what's going to happen after it. And so I wanted to go into this, into really deep and... um, and somber feel for the last song because I wanted to end with something that is cathartic, that is emotional, but at the same time kind of takes us in places that the other songs in the set haven't taken us from yet. And so I wanted to end the set with Fix You. Fix You was written by Chris Martin whenever uh, his wife at the time, Gwyneth Paltrow's dad, passed away. And... Right before he had passed away, he had bought this um, this electric piano, but he had never used it. And right after he had died, he uh, plugged it in, and the first sound that he played on it was this organ sound. And Chris Martin instantly fell in love with it and decided that he wanted to uh, revolve, write a song that revolved around that as a tribute to her father. And the song is written to Gwyneth, pretty much telling her that, yes, you just had um, a terrible tragedy befall you. You've lost your father. It's, it's okay to grieve for it, but we're going to get through it. You're going to see the light. And he said, you know, lights will guide you home and ignite your bones and I will try to fix you. Kind of the perspective of someone who loves someone that's grieving and trying to figure out how to be there for them as he watches the tears streaming down their face when they lose someone that they can't replace. And so um, the organ just really adds to that very mournful um, atmosphere. And the first half of the song, or I would even say probably the first two-thirds of the song, is mostly just organ vocals, a little bit of acoustic guitar. But then when that lead guitar line comes in and the song just goes up to that next level, ooh man, if you know, if you don't get emotional listening to the end of this song, there's just there's something wrong with you. Um those layered vocals come in and man, just powerful. Absolutely powerful and just brilliant songwriting and then man the way the way the song ends and it just goes down to piano and and chris martin sings at that lower octave it's it just even thinking about it right now i'm getting chills because it's just so well done and i just felt that that was the perfect way to end the set on just this this somber note the best somber note of the whole set there's a lot of somber notes throughout the throughout the set every song has one but i think that of the six songs this is the best one and i wanted to end with the best one um also a couple of fun facts about the song this was played at steve jobs memorial service steve jobs was uh very famously a big advocate for Coldplay, um a big fan friends with members and whenever they had his memorial service they played this song uh and also, Chris Martin says that he thinks that this is the best song that they ever wrote. And he says that he still cries almost every time that he hears it. 
So those are the six songs that I've picked. Just to recap, we've got a combo for the first song, which is Milo Zyloto and Hurts Like Heaven. Second song, In My Place. Third song, The Scientist. Fourth song, Yellow. Fifth song, Viva La Vida. And the sixth song, Fix You. So that is your six songs from Coldplay. And now we're going to go into the bonus song. If you don't know, the bonus song is a song that I like to choose from an artist that maybe does not have a large catalog of great songs to choose from. Maybe they were a one-hit wonder or they're more of an underground, lesser-known band. But I like to use that as a way to give them an opportunity to get their songs on here. And I like to pick an artist that has some kind of connection to the main artist. So the um, song that I chose for the bonus song is Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol. The reason I chose this song is they were a similar genre to Coldplay, and at a similar time, the song came out in 2006. It was on their fourth album, Eyes Open. And they were also from relatively the same region. Coldplay was British, and Chasing Cars is Irish, but... You know, it's still that kind of UK, Great Britain area. I know, again, for those people in Ireland, I'm not saying that you're part of the United Kingdom, but you are your own country. But just kind of, again, same region. It's kind of like saying, you know, uh, United States, Canada, same overall region, even though different countries. But I just, I saw a lot of uh, similarities between the two. Obviously, Coldplay, much, much more successful. This was really Chasing Cars' only big hit. And the reason this song became so popular is because it was used in a pivotal scene in the season two finale of the show Grey's Anatomy. And uh, I know because my wife is a very big fan of Grey's Anatomy. I've seen it. And um, that was a very big episode. A lot of people watched it. And that song was used for a critical moment in that episode and it caused everyone to look up this artist, look up this song, download it. And uh, it was written by member of the band Gary Lightbody, who was the singer, after sobering up from a drinking binge. And the reason it's called Chasing Cars is he says it's something that his dad used to tell him that Sometimes chasing after a woman is like a dog chasing a car. You know, you wouldn't know what to do if you caught it. And so uh, it's kind of like a woman just you're chasing after this woman. You don't know what would happen if you actually were able to win this girl, but you are still doing whatever you can to win this girl anyway. So um, I just felt like this song fit lyrically and emotionally with Coldplay, and so that was the reason why that I picked that for the bonus song. Um, So yeah, that's it, and uh, whenever we come back, we will do the conclusion and talk about what we're going to do next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, so we're wrapping up here this uh, this week's episode of the Good Music Podcast. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Those of you that have listened to the previous two episodes, thank you so much. If this is your first episode, remember, go back, listen to those first two episodes. And um, don't forget to follow me on Spotify. Just, again, search for Lucas Chrisman, L-U-C-A-S-C-H-R-A-S-M-A-N. Give me a follow. Find the Good Music Podcast Edition playlist. That's where you're going to find these songs. And, um, and yeah, that'll be just a place where these songs will already be queued up, ready for you to listen in the correct order. If you don't have Spotify, that is all right. Just, again, listen to the songs in the order that they come in. It'll make the experience so much more worthwhile. Um, don't forget to tell your friends listen and um, tune in for next week's episode. We're going to be taking a look at a band that was very popular, but at the same time, very overlooked 
but just a truly genius band. And that band is Steely Dan. So if you're a Steely Dan fan, make sure that you check in next week. If you've never heard of Steely Dan, you're definitely going to want to check in next week because we're going to have some great music for you. So again, thank you so much. Uh, and keep on listening to good music. This is Lucas. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.